this thank you note from Roman and Jamie. It says, Dear church family, thank you so much to everyone who was able to come out and celebrate the reveal of our little girl. We are so thankful to have such a helpful and supportive church family. We love you all. It was a good time last night. Good morning, everybody. Everybody good? I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful that the Lord has allowed me to see another Lord's Day. How about you? And I'm thankful that I get to see you today here in this place wanting to worship the one who deserves all the praise. He deserves all the glory. And he deserves all the honor, doesn't he? Our God, the one that we serve, the one that we love, has given us a way to be found right in his eyes. He's given us a way to be his children. He's given us a way to be at peace with him. And for that I say glory, hallelujah, praise the name of Jehovah. Think about this verse, and I want to go back to it. I want you to think about 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're beginning, uh, we're continuing our series, but we're uh, on 1 and 2 Thessalonians, but we're, con- we're, we're continuing our series on 1 and 2 Thessalonians, but we're beginning 2 Thessalonians. There, that sound better? I got a little tongue twisted. I lost my Bible before, I don't, from Bible class to here, so it kind of got me scared. Y'all know about your sword, don't you? If you lose that thing, I mean, I worry about it. I needed to look at it. Not that I worship this book, but I worship the thing that wrote it. (laughs) The one who wrote this is the one that I worship. How about you? But think about these powerful words that Paul says and really several uh, lessons uh, we're going to look at from chapter one. And this is going to be the overwhelming theme because you remember when he says, therefore, when a writer writes, therefore, it's because he's already talked about something that he wants you to think about as he brings this new thought in. He says, therefore, We also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him. According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ, think about that statement in verse 12. He says that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. When we think about our lives, let's just get down to it. When we think about our lives, are we able to say that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ is glorified in us? Glorified. When others are around us, do they see Jesus? To glorify Jesus in us, it means to imitate him in everything that we do. Are we striving for that? When Jesus' name is declared, when, we, when you think about the name of Jesus, how do you feel, brethren? Encouraged? 
Is there some encouragement that, become, that comes behind this name above all names? Jesus, the one who died for you. Jesus, the one who said, you know what? I'm going to go all the way for you. The name above every name. When you think about his name, how do you feel? Encouraged? Uplifted? Excited? Brethren, all of those things are a part of my life. All of those things bring me joy. All of those thoughts about Jesus and who he is keeps me going every day. How about you? Do I fail? Absolutely. Do I fall? Absolutely. Do I stumble? Absolutely. Do I have a bad attitude sometimes? Absolutely. But you know what? Jesus still loves me. And Jesus made a way for me to be found right in his eyes even when I mess up. But when Jesus' name is declared, we immediately have encouragement. We immediately have this excitement about us. But what about when people say our name? What do they think about us? Are we an encouragement or are we a discouragement? Now, don't get it wrong and don't think that I'm up here preaching some type of prosperity gospel. But here's what I will say. Being in Christ is the greatest thing that has ever happened in my life. And I will never stop declaring how happy I am to be his child. Never will I do that. I've never had so much joy in my life. How about you? When we think about encouragement, when we think about discouragement, how does it affect us? How do we feel when we're discouraged? Have you ever been discouraged in your whole entire life? I have. I've been discouraged before. Does it affect our life? It does, doesn't it? Because when, it, when we're discouraged, then our family suffers, right? When we're discouraged, then our work suffers, doesn't it? When we're discouraged, our walk with the Lord suffers, doesn't it? But what about when we're encouraged? What about when we're uplifted? When, you know, when you see or hear something about one of your brothers or sisters and, and doesn't it just lift your spirits when they're doing what God uh, asked them to do? When teenagers are doing things and stand up for the truth and, and despite all the tough situations that they have at school or, or one of your fellow brothers or sisters in Christ stands up for the truth at work, doesn't that uplift you? Up, uplift you? What about when we observe somebody and we talked about it in class, standing up for something right and not letting the world pull them in? What about when we're surrounded by like-minded people who are striving to do the same thing? How does that make us feel? It makes us feel good, doesn't it? It makes me feel good. I'm so glad to be here. Brethren, we may not think that our lives, what we do and how we do it, can make that big of an impact on others, but in reality, it does. And our effect 
And these are, this is one big word for me. I know the other one, but I understand the, uh, the first word, but I had to look it up because I wanted to make sure that I used it right. Our lives can either be catastrophic for somebody or they can be beneficial. Catastrophic. Our example, the things that we do, the way that we say it, the way that we handle situations have to be like Jesus would handle it. Amen? Think about our lives. How do we want to be remembered? Look at verse 11. It says, Therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. What is that calling, brethren? We're going to talk about it a little bit later in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But that calling is the gospel. Amen? Are we worthy of the gospel? This morning, I want to begin our thoughts on how we can make sure that we are counted worthy and that we are glorifying Jesus in our lives. Think about that for just a minute. We have the ability to glorify Jesus in us. Man, if I wanted to be like anybody, when you grow up, son, who do you want to be like? You remember thinking about that when you were little? Who do you want to be like when you grow up? I can say right now that I want to be like Jesus and I actually have the ability to do it right now. Man. This is going to be a series of lessons and the title is called Manifest Evidence. And I cannot wait to get to verse 5 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and put it in the context of what Paul is saying. But basically in verse 5 he says, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God. And I'm not going to go into detail. I'm going to keep you in suspense. How about that? I'm going to keep you coming back till we get to it. But I want to tell you about that Greek word, manifest evidence. I think the King James says manifest token. The Greek word for manifest evidence or manifest token, is, is these two words are one. And this is a pretty cool thought. It means, uh, and where we get the thought, concrete evidence. You ever heard that? We got some concrete evidence. He's guilty. We've got the evidence and it's, in, it's concrete. What does that mean? It's proof. It's proof that it's true. And the understanding here is uh, you say you got a coin, right? Well, let me see it. So what do I do? I, how am I going to prove to you that I got a coin? Well, I pull out my coin and I show it to you, right? Now, what I said was true then, correct? Here's the thought. The greatest manifest token of of one that is worthy of the gospel ever seen was Jesus Christ. Am I right? Now, Paul again lets us in on how we can be like Jesus if we want to. If we want to. And not only that, we can be successful in any trial or persecution that we face. And these Thessalonian brethren were in it. 
These Thessalonian brethren were facing persecution. These Thessalonian brethren were struggling with these trials that were going uh, through their life because of their dedication and their service to the king. I'm so excited. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm so, I can't even talk. I'm so excited about these lessons and I hope that they will spur you to do more for the one worthy to be praised. I hope that they will make you be better for the one who's worthy to be praised. I hope that these lessons will make you work harder for the one who's worthy to be praised. And I hope, and I hope and pray that these lessons will make you take a closer look at the one that is worthy to be praised. Let's put all the distractions of the world out of our minds for just a few moments. And let's look at our hearts and see if there's any room. Let's just take a minute and see if there's any room for improvement. I, I heard Tom Holland preach a, a sermon last night. I was watching him and, and, and one of the things that he said was, there's a hole in man's heart. Did y'all know that? There's a hole in man's heart and it can only be filled with God. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Let, let our minds be there this morning for just a little bit. Let's fill that hole with the Almighty. How about that? Let's read verses 1 through 5, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. I love what Paul says in verse three. He says, we are bound to thank God always for you brethren as it is fitting, fitting. It's fitting for me to say that these things are happening in your life. Why would somebody say it's fitting? Because it's not a lie, amen? It's fitting because it's actually what's happening. And I want us to think about one thought today that comes from Paul. I'm slowing this way down. I don't want to compact a whole bunch of stuff in here. I want you to catch one main thought, and it comes from verse 3. He says, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly. Why was Paul thankful for these brethren? We talked about it all in 1 Thessalonians. Why was he encouraged by them? 
Because he saw traits in them that we all need to see in ourselves. Amen? Love, faith, consistency. See, they were striving to be the type of people that the Lord wants every single one of us to be. Those ones who are worthy of the calling. Here's the question that you have to ask yourself. Is your faith growing? If you say yes to that, amen, hallelujah. I'm thankful that you're growing spiritually, but now let me take it to the next level. Is your faith growing exceedingly? The Greek word for exceedingly means to increase above ordinary degree. Not just my regular growth. You know, when you water a plant and you water and it starts growing, what happens when you put miracle Grow in that mix with that water? I remember I used to have two ferns outside in, uh, of my house and I watered them and watered them and they did good. And, and I went to the store and I heard this older lady, she was buying some miracle Grow, and she said, if you'll just put this much in your water and water them ferns in the morning and in the evening, you will not believe. I was young. I was a young guy, 20. You will not believe what happens to them ferns. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it. I mean, they look like Rastafarian guys. I mean, their hair was flying everywhere. They were growing exceedingly. When we think about our lives, when we think about our spiritual reality, are we growing in our faith? But not only growing, are we growing exceedingly? Think about it. How can we grow exceedingly? The first thing that I'd like for us to consider, three things, and the lesson will be yours, is this, by knowing the Lord better. Amen? We know him. If you're a child of God, you know him. But do you know him better? You can't know him better unless you keep studying about him. Am I right? You can't keep knowing him better and finding out more about him unless you continue to study. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And I want to read verses 5 through 10. Because the disciples asked this question to Jesus. The apostles said in verse 5 in Luke chapter 17, they said, And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. We want better faith. Increase it, Lord. How do we do it? Now watch what Jesus says. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. We talked about this. You've heard lessons about this faith that moves mountains, as Matthew would say. What is Jesus talking about? You remember what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13? He says, I can do all things, how? Through Christ who strengthens me. 
The problem that we have, and you guys know it because we struggle with it all the time, is our faith isn't always where it needs to be. Am I right about it? We have doubt. We have despair. We don't think God's going to help. We ask for something and we wait and we wait and it doesn't show up. But what happens? God is always an on-time God, isn't he? And he always shows up at the right time. But look at the second part of this. Verse 7, he says, And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? And Jesus says, and a lot of people have a hard time understanding what Jesus is talking about right here, but he says, I think not. (laughs) So likewise, you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. You want to know how we glorify Jesus in ourselves? You want to know how we are counted worthy of the calling? We keep our focus on the mission. I'm just doing my job. This is what I've been commanded to do. This is what God has told me to do, and therefore this is where my mind is going to be. Y'all remember when Jesus said this in Luke chapter 9, verse 62? Let me pull some thoughts together, and I'll make a big application. Just, just, Just run with me. You remember what Jesus said? He said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. When I'm running that plow, when I'm making those lines straight, And I turn back and look, what happens to that line? Man, look at how good of a job I've been doing on that. Man, that thing looks really straight. Where am I going to be at? I'm not a tractor guy, but my dad bought a tractor, so I've been able to get on that tractor and pretend like I'm a farmer, all right? Sometimes I want to get on there and pretend like I'm a farmer. And I've learned how to box scrape gravel. I've learned how to do things like that, so... I learned this the hard way, just like this illustration. I dropped that box scraper and I was going to run the gravel and straighten it and and make it all even. And and I got it where it needed to be at. And when I started driving, I started doing good. And I thought, man, I need to make sure that I'm doing it right. So I look back and the next thing I know, I'm over in the field. What happened? I took my eye off of where I was supposed to be. I didn't realize that I was doing this the whole time. What am I talking about? What is the application? You remember when uh, Jesus was talking to Peter? You remember uh, right at the end of John and he says, do you love me? And, And Peter says, yeah. And he says, feed my lambs. And he says, no, do you love me, Peter? And he says, yeah, I love you, Lord. And he says, tend my sheep. And then he says it one more time. You remember Peter gets a little frustrated with him. He says, yeah, I love you, Lord. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. You remember that story? Well, they continue to walk. And they're talking. And Peter, seeing John behind him, the apostle, 
What does Peter do when Jesus is giving him these strong instructions, these very important things to be doing? What does Peter do? He looks back and he says, Lord, what about this man? What about John? Could you imagine what the Lord thought at that moment? Have you ever been really trying to talk to somebody about something and they could care less? Huh? You can just tell their mind is somewhere else. Oh, what a sad thought. What a sad thing. It happens to me all the time. And you know what? I'm the one who does it. What about you? What about you? Are you listening to Jesus? Are you worried about John? Are you worried about what he's doing? What God has in plan in store for him? Jesus said, if I want him to remain till I come, what business is that of yours? You want to know what he says to Peter? You follow me. When you think about your lives, is that where you're at? So many times I fail in this. So many times I want to worry about what other people are doing. So many times I want to think, man, if they would just do this and they would just do that, they'd be better off. But the whole time, you know what I've done? I'm openly admitting it to you. Is that okay? Is that okay if I openly admit something to you and tell you that I'm a a sinner who's saved by grace that messes up? But you know what this verse does for me? It reminds me that I need to know my Lord better. And the only way that I'm going to know him better is to follow his footsteps. Jesus said, you follow me. See, the more we know his power, the more that we know his plan, the more that we know his love, the more that we know his concern. I'm pleading with you this morning, brethren. The more our faith will grow. And not only will it grow, it will grow exceedingly. Or is it just not that big of a deal? The more we stay focused on his commands, the more we stay focused on who he is, the more our faith increases. The second thing to consider, how do we keep our faith growing exceedingly? We do it by knowing the Lord better and we also do it by spiritual exercise. Brethren, pray for me. I got a bike in my in my living room that I want to ride every day. Will you pray that I'll get on that thing? Trip. Will you pray for me, brother? I want to get on my bike and ride it 20 minutes a day. I want to get in shape. But you know what I find myself doing? Not getting on it. I make every excuse in the book to not get on that thing. Wow, what a spiritual application. You know what Paul said? That he disciplines his body and he brings it into subjection. It's that important. When you bring something into subjection, you don't let it loose. 
When you bring it into subjection, that thing is not going anywhere. But he says he disciplines his body and he brings it into subjection because there's a chance that he's going to preach it, but not do it. Am I right about it? He's going to be a hypocrite. He doesn't want to be a hypocrite. He doesn't want to preach the truth and not really be doing it himself. He says, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Let me add this to you. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Paul says to Timothy, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. You want to know why it profits a little? Because one day this body's going to be gone. Back to the dust. But if I'm exercising my spiritual life, <laughs> it's going to be a great day. Am I right about it? Think about this. In order to grow our faith exceedingly, we must be strong in it. Amen? And we must understand three things. Write these down. This is a pretty good thought. And it all comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. We must understand that it's a personal matter. Am I right about it? Think about what he says. He says, exercise yourself. Not somebody else. You exercise so it's a personal matter. And not only is it a personal matter, it's a profitable matter. See, verse 8 tells us that it is profitable for all things. See, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness, exercising yourself to be godly, is profitable for all things. Now, what's included in all things? <laughs> That's a lot of stuff, ain't it? If I gave you the definition, if I asked you to give me a definition for the thought all things, what would you say? It'd be all things, right? Everything can be benefited by you exercising yourself to godliness. Where are we on that list, y'all? Just be real about it. Check yourself on that. Are you way down on the list? I don't get on that bike and I want to. I want to get on that bike because I know what it's going to do for me. I know it's going to help me out. I know eating better and, and drinking water and doing all of those things that I know to do. Man, I play ball my whole life. And what have I found myself doing? Not all the time, but sometimes not doing what I'm supposed to do. Now, what about my spiritual life? Am I reading God's word? Am I taking time to study stories and talk to, them, to my children, to my grandchildren? Is the most important thing in my life God and his word and doing it? He says, for body, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. And then look what he says, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. Three things we can get from these verses. It's a personal matter, it's a profitable matter, and it's a progressive matter. Because see, look what it does. It helps us in this life right now, and it helps us in the life that's to come. Amen? Man, 
the present time and the life to come. How do I keep my faith growing exceedingly? I do it by knowing the Lord better. I do it by spiritual exercise and I do it finally by continued fellowship with y'all. Two verses that we probably all know by heart. But you know what? Just because you know it by heart, it doesn't lose its power. It doesn't lose its strength. And don't let it be watered down in your mind. Think about what this verse says. And let us consider one another, not your best friends. Your best friends are included in that. Not just your group that you hang with. That group's included in that. But you know what this verse says? It says, let us consider one another. Everybody. And why am I considering you? Because I want to stir the pot, right? I love this verse because I get to use this illustration. I want to stir the pot. But I want to stir it for love and good works. See, that's why I don't forsake coming together. That's why I don't forsake being with y'all. That's why it's so important to me because I know I'm going to be uplifted. I know I'm going to be encouraged when I see your smiling face and you want to give me a hug. And you say, I'm tired, but I'm glad I'm here. Hey, I get tired too. Hey, I get stressed out too. Hey, some days, I don't have a good day. Some days, I got a bad day. But you know what cheers me up? You want to know what spurs me on? It's seeing you. (laughs) And hearing about you. And hearing about the things that you're doing for the kingdom and how you're trying to further the borders of the most awesome kingdom ever, the kingdom of God. Brethren, let us not forsake the assembling together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. You want to know what I want to tell you today? that the day is approaching. Your labor is not in vain. Chad's going to talk about it tonight. Be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because your labor is not in vain. The day is coming and you're going to be in heaven forever and ever with the king. Don't forget it. It's going to be awesome. You can't even imagine what it's going to be like. You can't even imagine. Hey, I love you. Brethren, I appreciate you so much, and I thank you for listening to me this morning. I'm so excited about this series. I'm so excited about what it can do for our lives if we'll let the Word work through us. Create in me, O God, a clean heart, and renew. Light it up, Lord. Renew a steadfast spirit within me.
Maybe you're here today and your spirit is not renewed. Maybe you need prayers. Maybe you are discouraged. Maybe you are down. Maybe you are out. You can come and we can pray with you. But if you're here today and you're not a child of God, I hope that you hear what I'm about to tell you. There is a way that you can receive grace and mercy from a God who loves you. And it comes by way of the gospel. It comes by way of this calling. Jesus died for you so that you can have hope, so you can be forgiven. You do it by believing who he is. You do it by repenting of your sins, turning from your way, turning towards God. You do it by confessing his name before men, saying, I'm not ashamed. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And you do it by being baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins raised up to walk brand new. And Jesus says, if you live faithful to me until death, I will give you a crown of life. That is a promise from the Lord himself. Come, please, right now, be added to the family of God as we stand and sing.